Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We have been reading in the book of Genesis, of course. Last time we read Genesis chapter 17. Now, at the end of 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, he was circumcised. And his 13-year-old son, Ishmael, Ishmael, was also circumcised. So that very same day, Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael and all the men of his house, born in the house, or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. So, everyone in the household was circumcised and this was a sign that they were following God. That was the end of Genesis chapter 17. Now we're ready to read Genesis chapter 18. Now notice that the son that God has promised Abraham has not come yet. Okay? Just want you to realize that it's been 13 years. It's, it's, those 13 years I imagine Abraham was learning, following the Lord, maturing in the spiritual sense, you know, growing more and more. And maybe he needed to before all that follows here. So I'm going to I'm going to continue on but it's just something to think about that Abraham probably needed to mature and grow more spiritually and and Sarah too probably needed to grow and mature more spiritually. Not that they wouldn't have any other issues or anything but just so that they would be ready to have this this son that God has promised them. So anyway, let's let's move on. This is Genesis chapter 18. And I am reading in the, oh, hold on a second, I am actually in the wrong version. My version, I, I, I can have a lot of versions, but we've been using the Amplified. I don't want to change from that midstream. I want us to go ahead and finish all this out. Later on, I may switch back over to like New King James or something. But for our, to complete our study and stay, um, I'm going to say, what's the word, consistent. I'm going to continue reading in the Amplified Bible. Now the Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth trees of Mamre in Hebron, or maybe it's Hebron, but anyway, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he raised his eyes and looked up, behold, three men were standing a little distance from him. Now notice it says the Lord appeared to Abraham, and then it says when he looked up, three men were standing a little distance from him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Abraham said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass by your servant without stopping to visit. Please let a little water be brought by one of my servants, and you may wash your feet and recline and rest comfortably under the tree, and I will bring a piece of bread to refresh and sustain you. After that you may go on, since you have come to your servant." And they replied, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly get ready three measures of fine bread, knead it, and bake cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and brought a calf tender and choice, and he gave it to the servant to butcher, and he hurried to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before the men, and he stood beside them under the tree while they ate. Now notice, they were reclining and resting, and he, he stood beside them under the tree while they ate. He, 
he stood as to serve and help and you know watch over them and serve them then they said to him where is sarah your wife and he said there in the tent he said i will surely return to you at this time next year and behold sarah your wife will have a son so this is you know this is this is basically the lord speaking something into being again okay and Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years. She was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself when she heard the Lord's words, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure and delight, my Lord, husband being also old? And the Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh to herself, saying, Shall I really give birth to a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult or too wonderful for the Lord? At the appointed time when the season for her delivery comes, I will return to you, and Sarah will have a son. Then Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh because she was afraid. And he, the Lord, said, No, but you did laugh. Now, notice here, I mean, it's one thing... Maybe Sarah did not real. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what Sarah was thinking here, um, except well, it does say though that she was thinking, "What? I'm really too old for this business," you know. <laughs> and from a practical standpoint, I think we can understand that Abraham was. Uh, let's see. They don't see how much later this is, but anyway, yeah. So I'm not sure, but Abraham was at least 99, so she was at least 89 or 90 because she was. Uh, close in age to Abraham. So, you know, she's like, I'm too old for this business. I, women my age don't have babies, you know. And we know that women go through the change around 40 to 50. That's a general, very generalization. It varies so much from woman to woman, but in general. Um, but, you know, um, She's like, I'm like way past that, you know. So from a physical, earthly, worldly sense, you can understand her attitude and thinking, what kind of craziness is this? Maybe, I don't know, maybe it just did not occur to her that she should, you know, perk up and think about that more because this is the Lord speaking. But nonetheless, then she denied it. Now, you can't deny anything to God or the Lord. They're, they know. <laughs> I mean, they already know. He already proved. He knew that she laughed. And there she goes, well, oh, wait, I didn't laugh. No. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you did. And, you know, that's, we can't fool the Lord, you know. And anytime we try to say something that does not agree with what the Lord has said, then we are definitely in the wrong. God does not lie ever. Everything he says happens, so we have to really be careful that we don't accidentally call God a liar, because, I'm serious, everything he says happens, <laughs> and, and we, don't want to, uh, we don't want to talk against that or speak against God in any way, or deny him in any way. That's how, that's how everything happens with, with God. He speaks it, and it just, it's, it does. It happens. So, so he's letting them know that for their time's sake, you know, in about a year, he's going to be back, and she's going to have a son. Okay? So, 
Uh, let's uh, move on from there. He he did he didn't give her a hard time. He did you know he said no, but you did laugh. He's saying honestly, you, you did laugh. Then the men got up from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham walked with them to send them on the way. The Lord said, "Shall I keep secret from Abraham, my friend and servant, what I am going to do?" Since Abraham is destined to become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be, will be blessed through him. For I have known, chosen, acknowledged him, Abraham, as my own, so that he may teach and command his children and the sons of his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is righteous and just, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has promised him. And the Lord said, The outcry of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see whether they have acted as vilely and wickedly, as the outcry which has come to me indicates, and if not, I will know. So God is going down to Sodom and Gomorrah to really check everything out firsthand. I think he already knows, but he's going to give them an opportunity. He's going to go down and check it out for himself. Now the two men, angel angelic beings, turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. So the Lord did not immediately leave, but the, the angels went ahead. Abraham approached the Lord and said, Will you really sweep away the righteous, those who do right with the wicked, those who do evil? Suppose there are fifty righteous people within the city. Will you really sweep it away and not spare it for the sake of the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to strike the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right by executing just and righteous judgment? Now here, Abraham is kind of challenging God, not in a mean way, but he's trying to reason with God, and he's trying to say, please, if there are. Now, why, why, is, why is Abraham trying to save Sodom and Gomorrah? Now, we know that Lot is there, so it could be partly for family, but is there more to it than that? Maybe he feels, you know, maybe he feels that there surely there are more righteous, more good people there than even just Lot. Surely there are other good people. And he's just pleading for their case. Now, this would be people he don't, he obviously does not know. But he's pleading their case with God, and he's trying to say, you know, reasonably, if there's if there's some good righteous people there, please, you know, let's let's spare the city for their sake, for the good people's sake. So, <clears throat> and the Lord says, okay, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, that's an extreme paraphrase, okay? But he's like, let me just read it from here. So the Lord said, if I find within the city of Sodom 50 righteous people, then I will spare the entire place for their sake. Abraham answered, Now behold, I who am but dust in, in origin and ashes have decided to speak to the Lord. 
If five of the fifty righteous are lacking, will you destroy the entire city for lack of five? If I, and he said, the Lord, if I find at least forty-five righteous people there, I will not destroy it. Abraham spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose only forty are found there. And he said, I will not do it for the sake of the forty who are righteous. Then Abraham said to him again, O oh, may the Lord not be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty righteous people are found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Now behold, I have decided to speak to the Lord again. This is Abraham. He's, he's pushing his luck. He's going to try to reason and get this down to as few as possible. He feels like he's trying to save the whole place, right? Suppose only twenty righteous people are found there. And the Lord says, I said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. Then Abraham said, Oh, may the Lord not be angry with me, and I will speak only this once, meaning just one more time. Suppose ten righteous people are found there. And he, this being God again, said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. As soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, the Lord departed, and Abraham returned to his own place. Now that is the end of chapter 18, but I want us to notice that Abraham is dealing with the Lord, trying to get him to come down. Now, and, and first he starts off, he starts off saying, Hey, I know that you judge rightly and you judge correctly and your judgment is always correct. And he says, I trust that you, you know, I trust that you, you always judge correctly. You know, surely you would not wipe away everyone for the sake of, you know, just, you know, uh, you would not wipe away everyone and get rid of the good with the bad, is what he's getting at. Surely, you know, you would not, he says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You know, so, of course, and of course God would, and he's saying, you know, let's, let's not get rid of the good people with the bad, even though the bad people outnumber the good by a large amount. Now, we don't know how many people were in Sodom and Gomorrah, and they seem focused really mainly on Sodom here, but we know it also affects Gomorrah. You know, and if there had been ten, now think about this. If there had been ten people who were following God, and, and Abraham probably thought, well, surely there are ten people there. Because I know, I know my law, I know law is there with his family, and that's got to be at least five or six people, or four at a minimum. Because I know he had daughters and a wife, so there had to be at least four. So surely there's a handful of other people still worshiping God and, and doing right. And not not doing evil. But as we know, as we know the story, uh, you know, we know how the events play out. And we know that indeed there are not ten righteous people. And that these people for whatever reason, have fallen into just, you know, I think, uh, you know how when you uh, get together with people and uh, you get this kind of crowd mentality and, you know, some people start, and, and crowds can go either way, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but but sometimes people get together to do bad things and they just get worse and worse. They just egg each other on and encourage each other and they become worse and worse. Just like when people get together to do good things, 
they can really encourage one another and build each other up and make them and you know people just get better and better well you can have that opposite effect too if you get together to do evil to do wrong things and you start encouraging each other to do wrong you know you can just grow in that and do worse and worse so it's just something to be aware of we need to make sure we're going the right path and we're doing the correct things that we should be doing encouraging and edifying one another and not encouraging wrong wrong actions and not definitely not encouraging evil and things that we know that are bad right now our society unfortunately it tends to grow more and more like like Sodom and Gomorrah in that it is enabling and encouraging people to do wrong things and really I'm gonna say this really it just enables and encourages them to hurt themselves because that's the real problem with a lot of sin is that you're hurting yourself when you're sinning the real problem is that now yeah sometimes you're hurting others too but you know God has you know these morals and these rules for us to follow they're a protection for us they're to help us they're to keep us safe and we need to really look at these and realize why these are the best things for us why it's best that we you know are honest we have integrity we do not uh, do these you know unnatural and sinful things so anyway I, I don't want to drag us off topic uh, really though I don't know that that's totally off topic considering where we're going we know where we're going in the next chapter or so but that is the end of Genesis 18 I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.